This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 85 of With Love and Justice for All, the official podcast of Project Sanctus, where we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, fostering liberation, and the special challenges that may arise as spiritual seekers. I'm Reverend Ogan Holder, here with my partner in crime and consciousness and co-creation, Reverend Kelly. How's it going for you today, Reverend Kelly? It's going pretty good. I'm actually looking forward, as most weeks, I look forward to our conversation today. Okay, that came out wrong. That sounds like some weeks I'm not looking forward to it. What I mean is some weeks I really am looking forward to it. Okay. All right. Digging holes early in the program. All right. Uh, (laughs) Today's, well, I think why we are sort of like looking forward to, but wish we didn't have to have this conversation again. Our episode is titled Ding Dong Bang Bang. And we are going to be talking about that recent shooting in Kansas City. Uh, That's where Kelly lives. That's where I lived for a while. Um, So we're going to have some conversation around that. We're going to talk around gun culture and why white supremacy and white um, culture is possibly, likely, most assuredly uh, to blame in what's going on. I like how you you creeped into that. Most definitely. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we we talked about this about, you know, maybe we shouldn't make any definitive declarations because we don't know everything. So covering all my bases, you know. When, when, uh, as information rolls out, I can go back and post and and edit out the ones that the superlatives that didn't apply, just covering all my bases. Um, as always, uh, thank you to all of our listeners and subscribers in the US and A and in other countries, over 24 countries around the world, places like Singapore, Israel, Portugal, and Morocco, where I am. Now, you're probably saying, wait, of course, you got listeners in Morocco. That's where you are. Well, I mean, I'm not listening to the show. I edit and then put it up. I don't listen to it after it goes up. So those aren't my listens. Somebody besides me is listening to the podcast here in Morocco. Could be my girlfriend. Could be her family. Or I don't know. Who knows? Who knows is around. So anyways, uh, thank you for all of you who are always listening and subscribing and spreading the word um, around us. Again, you can always get in on the conversation. We live stream our recording live on Facebook, Tuesdays and Fridays, uh, 3-ish p.m. Eastern. Um, and we're actually recording Except a little today. bit. Except today. <laughs> we're actually recording a little bit earlier today because I got a super early flight tomorrow uh, to come back to the state. So moving everything up. Um, TMI. 
anyways uh you can watch us live um and comment in the uh in the comments there or hit us up anytime our handle on social media facebook instagram is at get our holy on uh, we have a phone number 413 get holy or 413-438-4659 um, for those of you without letters on your phone um uh, but thank you for tuning in and before we jump into the conversation uh kelly's got a few reminders for you i do uh one is uh we've last week we started our new book selection uh our 846 book club and we are um have jumped into uh, the book by Tricia Hersey, who is known worldwide as the Knapp Bishop. She has a ministry that's called the Knapp Ministry. And it's not just napping, although everybody, if everybody napped, the world would be a much better place. But the book is called Rest is Resistance, a Manifesto. And it is really about, you know, acknowledging our divine self and stepping, recognizing what grind culture is and learning to step out of it, like therein lies um, as she says that the body is the point of liberation. Um, so tonight is uh, session two out of five. We're going to uh, tackle part one of the book. And until uh, May 9th, I believe, is our last our last session for this book. And at 7.30 to 9.30 Eastern, U.S. Eastern time, you can go to the website, go to 846 Book Club and register to get the Zoom link. Uh, even if you didn't come last week or you can't make all of them, just come. The conversation is always relevant. And um, if you're, you know, or keeping up on the reading, just come. The conversations are support us all, whether we've read everything or not, or come to them all or not. Also, our affinity groups on the first and third Wednesdays of every month. The first Wednesday is a community group. The third Wednesday is the affinity groups where we'll come on Zoom together, but then we have the group just for people of color, and then we have a group just for white folks. And um, this is where the real work really is done is in these groups. And they're probably the, the most powerful thing you can do if you find yourself going, but what do I do? What do I do? Do that and, and witness your own, you know, your own internalized um, ways that you perpetuate systems of oppression. Uh, which, and, which we will talk about today. Yes, we will. Uh, yeah, and, so I think that's... Yeah, I was going to say, even if you don't come to our affinity groups, and we would love you to come to ours, uh, ours are free. And, you know, we do always ask for a donation to keep us going. But even if you don't come to ours because you might know us, or, you know, you might know some people who show up yeah. because we are unity ministers and unity is a small world and you may not want people in unity to see your whiteness. Uh, so if you don't want to come to our groups. Because we can't, you know, otherwise. We, <laughs> I was trying to be nice. Okay, if well, I, you, I ruined if, it. If you don't want to come to our affinity groups, please find one and go to. The work is more important. That It's more important that you do the work yeah. than you do it with us. So... So I'm just going to come out and say, if you're not part of an affinity group, please, if it's not it's ours, one. go find one because it is important. If more people were in affinity groups, we probably would have not had what happened transpired this weekend, and, you know, pretty every much every day in America uh, happening. Um, so let's jump into it. And by the time you listen to this, I'm sure you all must have heard um, what happened over the weekend in case you had it um just real briefly to 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 sum up um in kansas city um a black teenager 16 year old ralph yarl 
uh, he went to a house to pick up his siblings. Um, he accidentally went to the wrong house because, and listen, I'm, I used to live in Kansas City. I don't, it is, I, I've heard people on social media like, how come he went to the wrong house? I'm like, y'all, the street numbers and names in that city are very confusing. All right. You got 115th Street, 115th Terrace, 115th, like everything, same Place. numbers. 115th like, Circle. Like, and they're all like a block way. from each other. It is so yep. confusing. They're all, all right. in the same neighborhood. Exactly. So so unless you've been in Kansas City and seen the confusion of how they name things, you know, don't don't say nothing. Like you'll be going down the street and then that street comes in end because it's, you know, interrupted by, I don't know, skyscrapers, blocks, buildings, whatever. And then the street picks up, you know, 15 blocks later and still has the same name. And it's just very confusing. Anyways, uh, one of the reasons I love Kansas City. Anyways, he shows up at the roundhouse, rings the doorbell. Of, well, so so wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. I want to stop there for a moment. I know okay. I may be jumping the gun, but that's that's no one of those when yeah. Oh God, sorry. Uh, wow, real I, time I, I, stepping I'm in shit. Only laughing so I don't cry. Um, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Go go, go right um, ahead. Go right ahead. Yeah, uh, first of all, I apologize for that. And um, it, that's a, a symptom of how embedded, you know, how embedded this stuff is, yeah. our, our white supremacy. So uh, when people make the comment about, um, uh, you know, well, how do you go to the wrong place? Or how do you go there? There is for some people that are asking that question, there is that's a kind of a whataboutism thing. That's a like, like that's a dog whistle, yeah. right? Like that's distracting from, okay, like, is that in the scheme of things? Is that like, why is that important? Exactly. Um, Not only that, but then that, then that shot. gets, then that gets uh, even exacerbated if he was in the right place. So it's therefore his right. fault that he got shot because correct he was in the wrong place. So that's, yeah. a, that's well, the next stage of what that happens. A little um, scapegoating. Yes. We're going to get to all that. <laughs> Well, you, did, you, you, you did jump ahead a little bit, but that's okay. Yes. Sorry. It's all good. It's all good. We, we're exci- not excited. We're eager to talk about this topic because it drives us crazy. It dri- and it's driving more and more of America just frustrated, angry, you know. Um, anyways, so um, uh, Ralph Yarl shows up. It's the wrong house. He rings the doorbell and um, who shows up at the door? Um, 84 year old uh, Andrew Lester. He's a white, uh, white man. And apparently with little to no discussion, he pulls out a gun and shoots uh, Ralph in the head and then in the arm. Um, According to uh, the criminal complaint, um, Lester, the 84-year-old man, had just gone to bed. He heard the doorbell. He went to the door. Door has, you know, interior door. It has an exterior storm door. And I'm reading this from the Washington Post uh, reporting. He says he opened the interior door and saw a black male he perceived to be six feet tall. We're going to get to that in a second. Perceived to be six feet tall, pulling on the storm door, which was locked. He told the police he was afraid someone was trying to break into the house and open fire from a Smith & Wesson 32 caliber pistol within seconds of opening the door. Uh, Jarl, the teenager, said in his statement he did not pull on the door and was shot immediately. 
So there's a there's a lot of statements. So by the way, okay, uh, some more sub points of the story. After Yarl was shot, he he ran miraculously, survived the shooting. He 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 ran. He's bleeding. He runs to try to go to other houses to get help. It's only until he gets to the third house um, that somebody actually decides to come out and help him. Uh, those people who come out and help him, they said they called 911 first because it wasn't sure if this is an attacker or a victim here. But then they notice it's a kid who's bleeding and then they come out to help him. Uh, he's hospitalized. He's been released from the hospital, still at home, recovering for a little bit. There was uh, the police came. They took uh, Lester into custody and then released him. And then eventually uh, charges were were issued um, for or Lester, Andrew Lester, he's being charged with felony assault and armed criminal action, one of which carries a life sentence if convicted. Um, as of this recording, I don't know if he's back in custody yet. Do you know? I don't, I have not heard that he's in custody. I don't heard, although he's ex- been charged. Exactly. And this is Tuesday. We're recording this at what time is it where you are? Uh, 10.30 a.m. 10.30 a.m. Uh, Kansas City time. So, and these warrants uh, came down yesterday. So, yeah. So that's that's the synopsis of the situation. Um, and the Kansas City uh, police and the mayor's office are, are gently tiptoeing around trying to definitively state if there was a racial motivation here. And again, we don't know all the facts, but I think it's safe to say there might have been some racial motivation. And and we can and and I want to examine that statement from from Lester. He's the one, the 84-year-old white man who did the shooting. Um, and and even in that state brief statement he made, there are so many racist tropes in there that are just clear indications that yes, this was whether it was conscious or unconscious, racially motivated. And then part of this discussion we have to talk about is just the proliferation of guns um, Mm -hmm. and what's going on. Um, And this is just to add to the bunch of other shootings that happened over the weekend um, as well. Cause you know, it is America. So every day there's gonna be a shooting. Um, There's gonna be many shootings every day. And there's gonna, some of those are going to be mass shootings. We are, what is it, April 18th, and already there's more mass shootings than there are days in the year. And again, these are just the mass shootings in which I think, what is the official thing? At least four deaths count four. As, yep. As, yep. As, a mass, as a mass shooting. Um, um, yep. And yeah, and that's, this doesn't count all the other. So like this is not a mass shooting, but, and there have been shootings with victims, one or two victims that don't come as a mass shooting. So when we say there have been more mass shootings in days and calendar, that's not all the shootings and killings that are happening, right. just to be clear. Um, so let's talk about some of the things that happened here in the story. Um, and um, that, excuse me, that, that connect this. So one of the tropes that we talk about when he says he saw a black male, he perceived to be six feet tall. So I tried to do some research. We both did. We did not find any official recording of the teenager's height. Uh, However, based on all the pictures that we've seen, six feet tall seems a bit of a reach um, for this kid's height. And 
but this is again one of those tropes whereby um the 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 racial culture of the US has unconsciously programmed the white bodies to see black bodies as bigger stronger yeah. than they actually are more mm -hmm. threatening and as a result we have to or or they have to take um much more harsher action um as well um he told the police he was afraid someone was trying to break into the house so what comes along with that is again that very very common statement when there's a shooting involved and it's a white shooter and a black victim i felt my life was in danger even though the black person isn't doing anything I felt right. my life was in danger. So again, it's that common trope. Black bodies are dangerous bodies. Therefore, we have to react accordingly. And in some cases, we can't wait to react. We've got to get a jump on them um, as well. Well, one of the one of the, the challenges in this case is that uh, while <clears throat> the Andrew Lester, the 84-year-old man, uh, that shot Ralph is says he's, you know, felt threatened or afraid. There has to be my understanding of the law is like, is that like, where's the evidence of being threatened? So when you say the law, let's, 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 again, all you listeners might've heard about this before, but we make no assumptions. The law referring to is there's kind of two laws here. There's a, well, there's one yeah. law, the stand your ground law, which is something that's based on what we call the castle doctrine. So the castle doctrine is this old idea that, you know, a person has a right to defend their home, right? Their, their, their castle. When you think about the castles with the moats and the drawbridges and the archers and the, and, the, and the parapets and all that crap, right? Back in medieval times, it's that idea. We have the right to protect our home. So if a home is being invaded, we have a right to protect it. Didn't really apply in Brianna Taylor's situation, but that's a whole other episode of our podcast. Um, so, so there's that. And out of that, many states have enacted what we call a stand your ground law, which now extends past the home. So if you're in a situation where you feel threatened by another person, you have the right to proactively defend yourself. When I say proactively right. defend, it means attack. So you can, you can shoot first and ask questions later. And then go, I felt threatened. This person's threatened me. Now, the to your as you were saying, there in order for that person to be absolved of, you know, like manslaughter or murder or felony assault or anything, there has to be some evidence that the threatening actually happened. Was I being cursed at? Not that that's an excuse to shoot somebody. Did somebody, you know, move to strike me? Again, not an excuse to kill someone. Um, any of those things were there verbal, physical assault? Yeah, supposedly, supposedly. So what it what it includes is uh, uh, supposedly is that the person believes there's a risk of death or serious physical injury, then they're allowed to um, to use deadly force. That's right. that's the verbiage. That's, However, that's, that's the verbiage. We know from uh, like Kyle Rittenhouse. Right. right. Was I'm sorry. At what point after while you were chasing them to lynch them, at what point did you feel threatened? <laughs> you know, exactly. So so what what and that, so what we're saying here is that this man 
opened his door. He hears he hears a doorbell ring. So there's no like violent knocking on the door. He hears a doorbell ring. He's clearly already got the gun in his hand, right? right. So again, you go to someone's house late at night. I mean, it couldn't have been that late. What time? I think there was a time there, right? It was a little after 10 or something. Yeah. Um, and he's already in bed. He thinks it's too late for anyone to be ringing his doorbell. So he shows up with a gun. If someone's trying to break into your house, why would they ring the doorbell? I mean, I'm just, no, no Columbo here, but I'm just, or, know, or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, are they trying to see if someone's home? Maybe. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to, just trying to noodle this through. So the doorbell rings, he opens the door and because he assumes that someone is trying to break into his house, or he assumes that because the person he sees on the other side of the door is a black person, and because they're black and male, it must be a man. You know, don't take half a second to see if it's a child. But this 16 year old who he says, six foot tall black man, he decides this is somebody coming to rob me. He's opening fire because he was afraid. And here's where the stand your ground law really, again, is not a good match for a white supremacist culture, because as aforementioned, you know, white America in general has been indoctrinated to believe that black bodies are more dangerous, more dangerous than white bodies, more dangerous than they actually appear to be. Um, and we've seen this over and over and over again with with young black men being tried as adults, being convicted as adults, being treated by police as adults. We see the oversexualized over sexualization of the bodies of young black girls who are often um, um, estimated or assumed to be much older, therefore much more sexual than they are. We see this over and over and over and over again. And many of us don't think about this consciously. It's just the programming that that we have. And here's an 85-year-old white man. So there's been a lot of programming. I don't know if he's originally from Missouri um, as well, but, you know, Missouri. Love you, but Missouri. Um, you know, lived there it's for a while. Not my state. I just happen to live here. Was <laughs> I was I was in no way incriminating you. You're like I'll say I'm, I'm washing my hands of the state of Missouri. Uh, yes, yeah, so lived there for to, a while. You know, taught taught there for a while. Um, um, with with my biracial family. So you know, there's other stories. But regardless, part of also what's coming along with this again is here we are in the United States of America where, again, many more guns own than people in the country. And I know many, many people who don't own guns. So that clearly means it's a lot of people with more than one gun. And Missouri also happens to be a, what is it? A no, no license? No. What's the thing? No, no permit. You don't need anything to carry a gun. Permitless carry. Uh, So, and what we've seen over and over again is when there's no states that have a nice combination of standard ground laws and permitless carry, there's a lot more homicides that happen. Yeah. And the the it's it's a hard the stand your ground thing, you know, you have to prove you're acting in self-defense, you know, that you're that risk of death or serious injury, which means, you know, the the um 
the per the shooter has to really believe that they're placed in jeopardy and you have to prove it and does the person that, that so if he says the that he was being threatened you know does the person doing the threatening have the ability to carry out the threat and does he have the means to carry out he or she have the means to carry out the threat well none of that went on i mean we know that we know none of that went on and um and I still have absolutely no hope whatsoever that anything is going to happen to this old white man. Wait, can't hear you. What happened? Oh, no, that's my bad. Um, yes, this is my fear. My fear is that they will use the he's so old yeah. that it doesn't make sense putting him in prison at this point. Um, I'm pretty sure that's the defense coming. Um, yeah, or he's, you know, his house, he's... He's had people break into his house before or some, I don't know. I just have absolutely no, no hope whatsoever that there really will be justice. None, none of those are excuses. Um, no. And, um, but, you know, ones, ones that might, might be used. Um, we have to, um, you know, make a short mention around, again, how we got here in terms of, of gun ownership in the US. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can't have the discussion without talking about the beloved Second Amendment, um, which was, again, the idea of um, citizens have the right to arm themselves and, and create a well-regulated militia. And this, again, written in colonial times as the colonists were trying to defend themselves from British invasion. Because remember, they were seceding from Britain. They were trying to establish themselves an independent nation. And Britain said, uh, we do not want to let you go. Um, so hence, then we had the war. So the idea of we have folks scattered all over these territories, they should have the right to arm themselves and protect themselves. Okay. So, so that's, that's yes, what the, the, the well-regulated militia. Yeah. Let's underline the well-regulated part one. Um, and somehow, not somehow, but then, then white America took them this upon themselves also to expand their uh, uh, protecting themselves not just from invaded British, but also from, you know, revolts and uprisings by enslaved Black people. So the Second Amendment was used for that as well. So fast forward as the years go by, years go by, um, the gun ownership became synonymous with, with white independence and white superiority. Um, and maintaining white supremacy. Um, so, for example, even protecting what is mine. Exactly, exactly. Um, it was forbidden whether they were enslaved or free. It was forbidden for black people to carry weapons. Um, they could receive uh, thirty-nine lashes at best um, if they were caught with with uh, a gun, a firearm, um, before. And it's been, you know. Uh, somebody said, "This is this is this is why black people need more guns as well to protect themselves." I'm like, "No, the last thing we need is more guns, because uh, because there's no place where there are more guns that the killings go down. Like it just doesn't happen. Right. Any other right. country? In fact, in fact, uh -huh. in just in Missouri, since we we're talking about it, when they put into place the the stand your ground law." Mm -hmm. 
and the um, no, you don't need any permit to carry. Actually, gun violence rose. Yeah, a lot. of course, of course it did. Let's go yeah. back to when we had the assault weapons ban in the U.S. and um, mass shootings and uh, gun-related deaths were down. But you know, yep. hey, let's not let the facts get in the way of the feel-good emotions of a gun barrel in your hand. So, so we, we we see how all of these are are connected. One of the what we wanted to expand upon today is um, some other ways that these embedded um, white supremacy norms, tropes, whatever you want to call them kind of affect each and every one of us. Like we think we, we, there's still folks out there who think that when we talk about racism, we're talking about the KKK. We're talking about the proud boys. We're talking about the extremes of, of, you know, neo-Nazis. That's what we're talking about. Those are the most visible, the most loud, the most extreme. They're also the fewest in number. What's the majority of people uh, and the majority of the ways um, white supremacy-based systems are held up is by everyday folk, everyday folk, everyday white folk. And to be honest, the internalized white supremacy norms of non-white folk as well as people of color, like like myself, uh, you know, how it, how it shows up in, in ways for me is things like, you know, when I, when I, when I forget that the patriarchy programming runs deep within me, when I do things that portray, I still am a little bit of an ableist. Um, recently, the Washington Post actually had a had a easy seven question quiz you could take to see if you were ableist or not. Um, I posted the link on my on my Facebook page. Um, are you ableist? Take this quiz. Seven questions, and I am like, I. This is the work we do. This will be a piece of cake. I got five out of the seven questions right. I got five out of the seven questions right, which means there is still work for me to do. There's still work for all of us to do. And the one, I mean, one of the questions I got wrong, I was really belaboring over it because it involved the use of labels and stuff. And I was like, I, I, don't, I think labels are bad now. We can't, you know, and I got the question wrong. So, so the reason I'm saying all this is to go like, this, all of this is all of our responsibility of all the work that we all have to do to, to really dismantle these things that have internalized within us. That being said, that being said, white bodies, y'all might have a little more work to do. And I'm just going to just a little. Right Again, just try and be nice. Try and be nice. Okay, okay I'll stop I'll, being nice. I'll, I'll stop being it. nice. You, you, no, because I'll expand. I'll, you can be nice you, and then you take I'll. It. You, you take it from here. I'll be nicer. Oh. <laughs> well, this is going to end well. <laughs> yeah. Well, so so one of the, um, uh, you know, unconscious, unexamined assumptions of bias that when we're talking, it's in just taking on uh, gun issues, when we when we use the word gun rights, people think white bodies. When we use the word gun violence, people think black bodies. Ooh. Yeah. Yep. Right. Think about it for a moment. And again, not every single person in the whole wide world. And it's largely unconscious. You say gun rights, people that are, yeah, my Second Amendment, you can't take it away from me. Largely what comes to mind is white bodies. 
when you say gun violence, it's the exact opposite. Yep. It's the black bodies that come to mind. So that's, there's one. If you, you know, if you don't hear anything else in this podcast, take that away and see how, um, and notice your own reaction when you're listening to the news, when you see people protesting, when you're reading the story and you see the word gun rights, you see the words gun violence, just, you know, for white folks, witness your own whiteness. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And also witness how you respond when you hear the perpetrator of a mass shooting was a white man, a white Mm -hmm. hetero white man, Versus how you respond when you hear the shooter was a man of color. Um, mm-hmm. Notice I didn't see a, just a general person because when was the last time there was a female mass shooter? I can't seem to oh, remember. Just recently, what was the one, the trans? Oh, the, 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 the trans person in, was that Tennessee? Yes, thank you. Um, okay, all right. So there's that one. Um, yeah. Right, so look how hard I had to, well, right. I feel a little embarrassed. I don't even remember because it wasn't that long ago. Well, there have um, been a lot of shootings since then. So there has. There unfortunately, has yeah. it's it's okay, but you can probably name um, mass shooters who are men because the vast majority of them, and I mean the vast majority of them, are white men. But yes. we don't we don't hear it's a white male problem. When the shooter's right. a white man, we hear it's a mental health issue. We hear this yep. issue. We hear it's yep. a gun rights issue. We hear all the things. We hear all the issues. When the shooter is not white, it's suddenly about the shooter. Right. right? So yep. so that shooter in Tennessee, you know, those those uh, Second Amendment. Um, gun supporters proponents were all like this is a trans person and suddenly we're trying to make it into a trans issue who knows what hormones that person was on all ridiculous nonsense mental illness yeah right but so that's where we are so So go ahead well so one of the patterns that that is already alive and very alert in just you know in the, the looking at the shooting this latest shooting ralph yarl is what's called white solidarity. And so what happens is, and uh, people will just sort of rally around the older, you know, the elderly white man who shot Ralph um, and and make it not personal in terms of, you know, like I, I make it personal, not like um, I have something to personally to do with it, but uh, but rather than just making it an intellectual story and distancing myself, and then it becomes white solidarity. All the reasons why I'm sort of backing up this elderly white man, which we were talking about before we came on air, like, because there's so much we don't know about him. We don't, you know, right. and the things that will kind of, you know, where people will defend you know, he's elderly, maybe he's got dementia, he's, you know, all these yeah. things that might be going on. That's a white solidarity thing, yeah. rather than you can guess at that if you want to, but let's follow it up with, it, there's racism in here. It's built in, you know, it's it, it, it's not it's not free from, from white supremacy at all. Yeah. Uh, Exactly. And you, we, we kind of touched on it earlier, but the idea also of scapegoating, like at some point, 
at some point, some blame is going to fall on this kid's shoulders yeah. at some point. And the most obvious one being if he was at the right house, this would not have happened. Right. So that's that's another thing I am very sure you'll hear you'll hear popping up. We'll also hear the, you know, both keep going to white solidarity. Well, you know, crime is so bad. We keep hearing how bad crime is. So, of course, this man, this old white man was afraid who wouldn't be. And he had a right to yeah. to be armed because he was afraid um, as as well. Um, you know, I'm just going to throw a suggestion. If you're at home and you hear a knock on your door and you think someone might be breaking in to come rob you, um, you know, there are some numbers you can call. You can call 911, for example, like, you know, maybe announce, hey, I am in here and I'm harmed and armed. You know, I don't know. Want a fire shot? Fire shot in the ceiling. Scare away some people. I don't know. I watch too much TV. I'm simply saying, I'm simply saying, it seems just a touch extreme to open the door and open fire. Yeah. Yep. Which is which is what happened. Um, And you know, it if if there was a I don't know a short white girl standing outside that door. Yeah. Would would she have had a bullet to her head? I sort of guess not. Just gonna just gonna go down a limb and say that gun might have stayed holstered, or at the very least, kept pointing at the floor. But this is this is when we talk about these unconscious embedded things again. Yeah. So one of the other um, you know patterns that's that's already surfaced in this and uh, in this story and certainly every other shooting is um, it's comes, it's kind of connected to the white solidarity thing, but it's where, you know, the shooter, Andrew Lester being kind of exempt from racist conditioning. Like when, you know, when I say, well, I don't really know, you know, the minute we go into what we don't know about the story, there is an unconscious thread in there of denying the power of racist socialization. Because um, right. the reality is, is this just like me, I didn't create the system, but I certainly was socialized. Like, that's how I've been raised. That's what I've been taught, that I'm white. This gentleman is white. So we already know what he's been taught and how he's been conditioned and socialized um, by white body supremacy cultural norms. So we already know those are alive. So it's the start listening for when you know we're kind of exempting someone potentially exactly uh, we we sort of alluded to this earlier because this man may never have had a recorded history of doing heinous racist acts does not mean racism was not involved right and then so it's so it's exempting the person from it and then also denying the power of racist socialization yes. so both you know a double at the same time. And um, yeah. yeah. And then you sort of naturalize it. Well, you know, there's this and that, and then you sort of, which is, oh my God, we're just, we have so much work to do. So much work to do. And, and this is, this is the work we do. Great plug. Um, this yeah. is the work we do when people are like, what, what can we do about this? What can we do about yeah. the, uh, all the guns on the street? What can we do about all these racially motivated uh, shoot-ins and, and kill-ins. It seems like they're happening every day, which they are. It seems like there's nothing we can do about it. 
um, there is plenty you can do about it. First of all, is make sure that none of all the things we just mentioned, the scapegoat and the white solidarity, all that, make sure that you're not doing any of that um, to begin with. Um, make sure I was, I was glad to see, which I did as well, that, um, you know, numbers, numbers for people to call in the Kansas City, uh, you know, government and police were, were there to call, call those numbers, send the emails to say, this is not okay. And we demand that this person be held accountable. And the interesting part I read was like, they couldn't charge him until they got a witness statement. So if that kid had been in a coma for the next, I don't know, three years, there's there's no charges. We, he got shot in his head. Like, I mean, A, miracle he's alive. B, if he got shot in his head and had some brain damage and can form another sentence, does this mean there's not going to be an arrest made or charges filed because they couldn't get a victim statement? That is, I mean, don't get me started. But anyways, um, so, so, so to make the calls to the to the authorities, the relative, the the people related to this, and say, no, this is this is not okay. We're not we're not supporting um, this person still walking the streets armed. Um, do things like uh, in your state, if your state's got um, permitless carry laws, um, make some calls about that. Make some votes about that. Um, are you going to continue supporting your representative state representatives, both in your state and in Congress, who support this? Because this is part of the problem um, as well. But so those are places uh, we can start. Again, when you when you when you take polls and you do uh, go surveys, the majority of both Democrats and Republicans support stricter um, gun safety laws, stricter background checks, red flag laws, um, even even um, keeping the raising the age limit for people to have guns. Uh, you know, there there is majority support because, again, the victims lying on the ground are not just Democrats. They're Republicans as well. So so this this is perhaps the one of the most important, I would say, bipartisan issues of our time. We've, it's, the evidence is clear. Americans can't be trusted with guns in their houses. They, they just can't be. Um, and, and when we talk about gun deaths, we're not, uh, we got to include suicides. We got to include accidental deaths, you know, um, infants, children finding guns and playing with them and they accidentally uh, go off and kill someone uh, or kill themselves. Like, um, and we shared this before, guns are now the leading cause of death in minors um, uh, and children. When I say minors, I'm talking about children. Children in the US, the leading cause of death. This is no longer just a gun issue. This is a, this is a health and safety issue. It's a public yeah. health issue at this point. Um, so, and if you think not, when cars were the leading cause of death, how how strict are car laws and regulations, right? In in any state, even the states are a little loose with it. I don't think there's a state now that you can drive without wearing a seatbelt, right? Like that's okay. that's a thing because we realize, oh, we can't trust people to buckle up on their own because they didn't. 
So we decided it was important to save lives. So, you know, now that kids are being killed by guns more than anything else, I don't think it's a stretch to go like, maybe we should have some better laws around guns. What's interesting about the seatbelt analogy is that it wasn't just making the law, you know, putting the seatbelts in the car and making the law. Uh, Then they had to ramp up what your car does if you don't put your seatbelt on. Right. So it makes a little annoying dinging sound. And then that gets ramped up to a loud, incessant, nonstop. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and then it, you can't start your car until the seatbelt. I mean, what we've had to do to, you know, force people to wear a flipping seatbelt. And then, and then enforcement through ticketing and stuff like that. When, when someone's caught without wearing their seatbelt for their own protection. Um, you know, God bless the states that allow cyclists to ride without helmets on, um, you know, was it, uh, I was in New Hampshire for a while, live free or die, um, um, or call the, call the herd, you know, I mean, Hey, survival of the fittest, you know, natural evolution, whatever. Um, but, but back to being on a serious note, it is, it is clear that the lawmakers are not working for their constituents on this matter. Um, and this was the no, crux of the whole and issue with the Tennessee three as well. I was and just going to say that. And when they do, yeah. <clears throat> they get ejected. Yeah. Exactly. So they're back. yes, they are. Um, so this kind of sort of brings us full circle of one of our uh, invitations uh, around the affinity groups. And the whole point of this isn't to plug this, but, but when we talk about how do we become aware of and begin to shift these internalized conditions within us, the ones that we are not even aware that we have, this is how it happens. In regular discussion groups, like affinity groups, where you know the situations presented, you get to you get to talk with other white bodies, or in some cases, if it's a communal group, uh, bodies that don't look like you, and and hear stories and stuff firsthand, be triggered in safe spaces, so that then you can do the internal work many of us are especially spiritual folk are running around making assumptions that because they're spiritual folk and they meditate and all they do is walk around the world with open-hearted love and acceptance that this is not an issue again much of this is not cognitive much of this is not conscious it's internalized it is unconscious and you don't know it's there until a situation happens and you are reacting and in who knows, this might have been what happened here with this 85-year-old man who may have never, who knows, we don't know, who may have never done a quote-unquote overtly racist thing in his life. But that internal programming that Black bodies are dangerous bodies and Black bodies that come at your door at night are clearly here to harm you. So I'm going right. to shoot first. Like, you know. That's alive and well. So alive and well, right? And again, who knows? Maybe, maybe he's had some racist thoughts his whole life. I don't know. Either, either way, either way, the programming is deep, and this is what happens. This is well, what it's happens. Our, our, yeah. Well, white people. So everyone has bias. Everyone discriminates. But white people's racial bias is backed by legal authority and institutional power. Mm. <clears throat> Let me say that again for y'all. White people's racial bias is backed by legal authority and institutional power. And that's the element that differentiates individual racial prejudice um, from racism, which is the historical 
you know, accumulation right. and ongoing use of that institutional power and authority. So when we um, talk about dismantling systems of oppression, we talking about us too. We're talking about the people. We're talking not just about the actual, you know, systems of government or commerce that you can uh, obviously point to. We're talking about white bodied and all the internalized white supremacy norms because they're the things that are propping up the system. Right. And because because all of society is infused with racism, all of us are affected by it. And if you are sitting there saying, I am not, this is not who I am, then you're what's the word? Was that white solidarity? Was that scapegoating? Mm-hmm. Was that which 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 <clears throat> the, white solidarity? Which of the boxes that we take? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You're part of the problem. You're part it's, of the yes, problem. Yes, having to move from if you're part of the system to how am I part of the system? Exactly. We have to start asking that and addressing it. And it's lifelong commitment. Exactly. So again, join some affinity groups. Oh, uh, by the way, just reading a few books won't do it. <laughs> like No, or a couple of DEI courses. Won't won't do it. That is that is you know you're familiar with the term scratching the surface. That's not even scratching the surface. That's like a gentle rub. Um, you need to <laughs> you, you need you need to do more. Please, you need to do more than that. But but that's what has happened in the you know between twenty and twenty twenty two. A lot of white folks they they did some DA programs. They read some books. They joined a few book a, bo- a few book groups, and they felt okay. We know a few things now. We're good. You're not good. You have you have just just touched the surface. Okay. You haven't even broken through the surface yet. This is ongoing work. And if you're really serious about changing the system, if you're serious about you can't meditate it away, you can't pray it away, you've got to change yourself it away. Um, but you, you can't challenge racism passively. No, you can't. You can't. Remember, there's no such thing as not racist is not a thing. Right, right. That's just not a thing. Uh, you're yep. either actively anti-racist or you are propping up the system. There, there's, there's no in-between. There's no neutral ground here. Some people have no. responded that that's, that's too extreme a stance, that that's not true. Every day that we have, um, we have an instance like what happened in Kansas City for every Ralph Yarl that is killed or is shot. This is what's this is what's keeping that happening um, as well. So, yeah, I don't know what else we got to say here. <laughs> oh, we have a lot to say, but not today. But not <laughs> not not today. I gotta tell you when when I saw that headline when I saw the headline. Like, and this is the other danger we we fall into. I'm just gonna say briefly. I went, I went numb. I went numb, not from shock. I just went initially, like moments of numb from the despair. Like, it's not, it's not, and this is this is the problem. It's not shocking anymore. It's not surprising anymore. It's not horrible enough anymore. It's not, it's not enough anymore. People have just more and more people are accepting that this is just part of what it means to endure daily life in the United States. And gratefully, especially, for example, the folks in Kansas City who have been marching this weekend, anyone who's actually marched in any protest 
around this issue, whether it's gun issue, whether it's um, around racial justice. You know, we we saw so many people in the streets in 2020 after George Floyd was murdered. Where are all those people now? Right. This is the the apathy is set back in. The fatigue is set back in. The this is this is the this, there's just too much has set back in and the only winner there is white supremacy. So yes. we've got to pace ourselves and keep doing the work. Yep. Which is why I, I'm making another plug for the rest is resistance. Yes. The book study. That's, that's how, you know, the body is the point of liberation. It's that's where our anti-racism work comes yes. from. Don't be running around saying I took a nap today, therefore my work is right. done. <laughs> no, no, that's not what I meant. That's no. that's not the premise of her work. No. That's not no. what we're saying. And if you thought that's what that was all about, you need to read the book and you need to come join our group and have yep. some discussions around it. That's not what that's saying at all. All right. I think we're good. I think we're good. I yep. think, I mean, it's not good, but for today, uh, we are good. Uh, thank you as always for listening. Please, 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 please ask yourself again, not if I am supporting these systems of oppression, but how am I? And therefore, what do I need to do to no longer be doing it? Please visit projectsanctus.com to see the opportunities that we provide for you to do this. Again, uh, the two things we've got going on right now are the book study, and we've also got the ongoing affinity groups, which will be always ongoing. We are planning some other things to be rolling out later this year. We do hope you take advantage of them because this work is all our work to do. Please tell your friends about this podcast. And if for some reason they don't know how to find it on their podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Pocket Gas, all the usual suspects, you can listen on the old school interwebs at with love and justice for all, with love and justice for all dot podbean.com. Uh, as always, thank you to the listeners. Thank you to those who donate to keep our lights on, keep our work going. You know, it's not free to host this podcast. It's not free to host the website. It's not free to offer the courses that we do. Um, so we rely on your generosity for this. So if you want to support programs like ours that help create the space, provide the education, and invite you into safe spaces for discussion, that's what we do. ProjectSanctus.com. So until we meet again. Let's get our holy on. Uh,